0: Hello and welcome to Spring Office Hours, Season 3, Episode 4 Common Spring Developer Mistakes. My name is Dan Vegas, Spring Developer Advocate at Broadcom, joined today by my good friend and coworker, Deshaun. Deshaun, how are you doing today?
1: I am wonderful. I am on a team with multiple Java champions. And man, like, how awesome is that? How awesome is that? What a great opportunity that I've got. Uh, I'd like to keep my job, so I'm gonna f- I'm gonna work my butt off so I can I can toe the line and yeah, try to not hold the team back too much. But I'm having a good day. This community yeah. is awesome. This is my favorite time of the week, spring office hours. I love this show. I love this community. I love hearing stories of what our community here is doing. And I I wonder how how do we get the people that are listening to the podcast? How do we get them to share their stories with us?
0: Well, well, we can do that today because we have a topic today that could definitely use some uh, feedback from our audience. So, our topic today is Common Spring Developer Mistakes. We'll get into that in a minute, but I want everyone in the live stream to start thinking about some of the mistakes you see, maybe from yourself, maybe from others within your organization, and maybe bring those up. And we'll see if we can address them and how we could... Maybe come up with a better solution to those problems.
1: Yes, indeed. What a, what, look at this. Uh, Great to see everybody. Let us know where you're joining from. That's always fun, but we have a nice little uh, group here joining in, saying hello on the stream. What a great day. It's sunny here and I'm in Kansas City. The Chiefs did win yesterday, so they are going to Super Bowl again for the fourth time in five years. And that's, that's pretty nice.
0: Well, normally I probably wouldn't have been rooting for you yesterday, Deshaun, because yeah, I'd like to see somebody else there, but I'm a Cleveland Browns fan and Baltimore Ravens stole our team. So I will, Mm. I don't care who's playing against the Ravens. I'm cheering for that other team. So I was cheered for you yesterday. I was also rooting for Detroit because Detroit is very Cleveland. Uh, They've never been to a Super Bowl. (laughs) They were killing it in the first half yesterday. And I was just like... I just don't feel good about them still because it's, I have those Cleveland vibes. Like something, something's going to go wrong here. <laughs> yeah. And, and sure enough, it did. So my heart goes out to Detroit today. Yeah. I know what you're feeling like. And I, feeling I felt that my entire life. So
1: <laughs> the, um, I was tired yesterday. Uh, we had, a, a the kids came over, uh, some of the kids I coached came over, spent the night, uh, and fifth grade boys, 14 of them. Spending the night, it didn't Oof. go as well as I was hoping, um, I'll never do that again, but no. that combined with the church and then the family coming over and cooking, I actually slept through the second half of the chiefs game and I didn't oh, see wow. a single minute of the 49 match game, but oh, I'm so wow. happy. I'm, I'm happy nonetheless. Yep. Happy yep. Nonetheless. And, and well, said we can still be friends.
0: Yes. Well, you friends. can be for two weeks. We'll see. We'll, we, we'll see. can still be friends. Uh, after, after February 11th, we'll see. Um, all right. So we're here in a live stream. Again, we live stream every Monday at one o'clock. Even after Deshaun streams for 10 and a half hours, he still shows up here. So we are here Mondays at 1 o'clock streaming live. If you are listening to us somewhere else and you want to join us, uh, that's a good time to join us. If you're here with us, go ahead and ask your questions. If you could think of some of your common mistakes, that'd be great. We'll have a discussion about that as well. If you are not here in the live stream and you want to catch this on a replay, uh, you can do so. We turn this into a podcast, the Spring Office Hours podcast. You can go ahead and get us anywhere you get your major podcasts. That way you can listen to us on the treadmill, in the car, on the go, wherever you're going. And if you want to find out more, springofficehours.io. We're going to be working on a new website for that this year, uh, so we'll let you know when we have more info on that.
1: Fun stuff. We had a nice so, little, nice crew today.
0: <clears throat> yeah, lot, lots of people here. This is great. Um, before we get into today's topic, uh, what have you been up to? I know you were traveling last week. What, uh, that, what were you doing last week?
1: I, I have a hard time saying this, but last week I went and I visited a customer in Fort Worth, Texas, and we were there for a hackathon. And I was very, very surprised by a few things. First of all, uh, it was a you know a, a large enterprise company that we've all heard of. and I really didn't have any like sense of what it would be like when I walked in the doors. And when I did arrive at the campus, I was blown away. The campus is beautiful. The people were beautiful. People are going into the office. Uh, even from the minute that I got there, people were chit-chatting. Uh, the second day, I think I talked to about 20 engineers, 20 Java engineers, between where I got dropped off and the front door of the building. And and it made me like realize, like, yeah, sometimes going into the office is awesome. And if you have a view like that, it can be pretty awesome. But that wasn't where it stopped. They had people in there and they had this like, it almost had like a conference vibe, maybe because of the hackathon. But yeah. I got to tour around the campus. I got uh, shown around and there's a lot of great history there. And and just the vibe, the vibe felt like a conference. The vibe felt amazing. The culture there was clear because the hackathon was a fully sponsored hackathon. Uh, it was a 24-hour like traditional, like, hey, we start coding uh, now. And then 24 hours later, you do the awards and you do your presentation and all that. And it was just cool. Wow. It was very, very cool. And when I left, in my head, I was trying to think of like, where, what other campuses would, had that vibe of all the global 2000 companies of all the places that I've ever been. Mm -hmm. I put them in the top five. There was a vibe of this campus and I was just, I was blown away. It hadn't, it, it set me back a little bit. It changed my my thought, changed my default settings a little bit on what it might be like going back into the office. Because I just assume everybody else yeah. is working from home like me. Well,
0: as they say, everything's bigger in Texas. So you had that going for you. That, that, um, maybe and, that was it. Maybe that's, I was and, just forgetting. That that was and me. you know, I have the same vibes when I visit customers or when we used to go to like the VMware offices, but we do work from home every single day. And so we go into an office for a day or two. And so we get that vibe, like, "Oh, this is great." I wonder if it would be the same if we were there three hundred days a year.
1: <laughs> so that was kind of my experience. That's that or my experiment uh, mm-hmm. with this ten-hour stream that I did. I I packed up my stuff, I grabbed my bag, yeah. and I left. And I drove thirty <laughs> miles to go and see, like, what is that like? Even though it was not during business hours, it was it was kind of just what does that feel like? Like, is there a vibe here? And even when I got home, I unpacked. I was like, that wasn't so bad. Like, maybe I could. <laughs> do some of this stuff like go to the coffee shop or to the pizza shop and 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 set up camp yep so it was it was a good experiment but it was all because of the hackathon last week like what is it like not being in my desk the amount of distractions that we have at home uh, are different and sometimes you don't notice them but when you're not sitting at your desk when you're not comfortable you're in a different place yeah there's not as many distractions, so it felt yep. good to just kind of be heads down for a little bit, and I had a great community that's awesome
0: helping. So yeah. Well, I um I spent a lot of last week creating some videos on like uh, the rest client and diving deep into that, but I also spent a lot of time um attending some internal discussions, and while I can't like share a whole bunch of those internal meetings and discussions. What I can tell you is that I am very excited about the future of spring, and particular this year. Um, and you know exactly what discussions I'm talking about. Like, spring is very much at the forefront of everybody's mind this year um, at Broadcom. And so I know, like, a lot of people were asking us when this acquisition happened, like, what do you think is going to, like, what's going to happen with spring? I can tell you that I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about this year, um, and that I'll leave it at that. Uh, we'll we'll see where it goes, but uh, I'm very excited about some things that are happening. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I left you speechless. huh? <laughs> yep.
1: It, no, it, it is. There, there's is so much. So let's get through. I'm trying to learn all the stuff. I want to play with all the toys. There's so many yep. cool things. There's so many cool patterns. I'm learning a lot from the community, and somebody is eager to hear. Like, what are the wrong ways of doing things?
0: <laughs> all right, Vishal, I'll, 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 I'm saying this for the people on the podcast. Vishal says we have no interest in your day routine. Can okay. we start business? Yeah,
1: like, tell me guess all the what, not to do.
0: This is the Dan and Deshawn show. We will talk about whatever we want to talk about for an hour, all right? Uh, yeah, but that is a good segue. That's all yeah. I really had to cover so we can get into today's business. So I wanted to put this together. I was thinking, uh, selfishly, I was thinking about making this video, but then I was like, wait, I really need to like figure out what those are. So I started jotting some down. And so I thought, okay, let's think about some of... The common mistakes Spring developers make. Now, when I say mistakes, I, I don't mean that like if you write code a certain way and it works, great. But if you are someone who likes to analyze what you are building, what you're writing, and think like, okay, maybe there's a better solution to this problem, uh, that's part of it. The other part of it is some common. So some of these are actual mistakes. Like don't do this if you're if you're doing this right. So. I wrote down a bunch of things I was thinking of. Deshaun has some things. I also like um, talked to some other people in the organization, and said, hey, give me some of your things when you think of like anti-patterns or things that developers might be doing that that we can improve on. And so we have a list here, and so what we're going to do is we're going to start with kind of the common mistake, and then we'll talk about how we might be able to improve it. So again, before we get into ours, if you're in the live chat and you can think of some common uh, anti-patterns or mistakes that you do, or maybe you see in your organization, go ahead and share that with us. All right, so I'm going to start with number one, which is making everything public. And so we talked about this a lot on on the show last year, Deshaun. We had a few few episodes on how to organize your code, right? When you create a Spring Boot application and you get dropped into the app, you have a lot of freedom to just kind of do whatever you want. And so one of those things that you might do is see a common pattern on Stack Overflow or on GitHub and you see people building applications. And you see a package by layer. I'm going to put everything in a controller package. I'm going to put everything in a model and a service and et cetera. And while there's nothing wrong with this, one thing that it does promote is that everything needs to be public because a controller calls a service in a different package. A service talks to a model in a different package. So everything needs to be public. And this isn't how we write normal Java code, right? That's not a way to to write. Making everything public is kind of an anti-pattern, right? So we talked about this in the past, but one of the things you can do is use something like package by feature where you split things up by like, hey, this is has to do with products. this has to do with orders. And then everything in that package could then use normal uh, access rights, right? Like it, it doesn't need to be public. Um, now some things will talk across packages and that's okay, but not everything needs to be public then. And so I see you nodding your head. And then another nice. thing uh, we talked about is we talked about Spring Modulus. So that <clears throat> is another way to go ahead and organize your code. So I think the number one is making everything public, probably not the greatest thing to do. Um, there are other ways to kind of tackle it.
1: Um. Yeah. Do you want to go through? Because you're, you're, we got the chat. There's a bunch of good ones in the chat. We're going to start those and okay. we're going to come back to those at the end. Okay. But you're making me think just now of a lot of other ones that, yeah, that are mistakes I've made and and I've uh, learned from. But yeah, let's keep going.
0: Jitter Ted uh, has a comment here. Mistake. Organizing code according to the role of the object. Exceptions separate from DTOs, separate from controllers, etc. <clears throat> Great one, Ted. Um, okay, so that's kind of on the organizational um, front. Again, we've done some shows on organizing your code, um, so go ahead and check those out. Can I take All right, a number two. Again?
1: Yes. Before we go on, um, as every once in a while, I like to like peruse the Java uh, YouTube videos, and I do as well. And last week. Uh, on my on my travels uh, to Texas last week, I saw a video, and I would say of I think it was thirty minutes that I watched. I felt like about twenty five of it was blatantly stolen from you, <laughs> and and it, it made me proud. Like I did, I I wasn't like oh like hey you jerk no I was like that's right you 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 are exactly right I would have said the same thing, and I'm pretty sure I heard Dan say the same thing, and it just I smiled the whole time. I smiled the whole
0: time. Um, what is the uh what is the the
1: uh, uh right, i was t- thinking I'll of send a, you a link if i find it I'll i was thinking a of
0: link. a i probably already know what it is cuz i've uh, i've seen it um <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah and like yeah. nothing nothing is original right like yeah. i learned from other videos as yeah. well um and i just try to put my own spin on it so yep. um but yeah i thought of i was thinking of a quote that i couldn't think of so
1: the uh you know uh, copying is the best flattery that one
0: yes Copy whatever is I. the greatest imitation.
1: Yeah. Imitation yeah.
0: is yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. that. We'll, I know where
1: you're going. With. Well,
0: we'll Look find a quote and put it in the <laughs> show notes. <laughs> okay. So number two, um, this one has been around forever and I still see it in videos, in tutorials today. And I want to like comment on them. And I just like kind of hold back because mm-hmm. that's not the point of the video, but Dependency injection, do not use field injection. I wish it wasn't even an option. What are we talking about here? So you are in, say, a controller and you need to get an instance of uh, some kind of service. Uh, You can declare that as a a variable in your service, but you can't can't declare it final because you are about to add the at auto-wired annotation to the field itself. Um, this will work, but it causes some issues like when I want to go um, test out things. I have to like deal with reflection. Uh, it's hard to like mock things out. There are some issues when it comes to testing. A better approach to this is to use something like constructor injection. So you add it as an argument to your constructor. Spring will see it. It will implicitly add the at auto wired annotation to that constructor and inject that in for you if there's only a single constructor. So it's still just as clean. You're probably gonna have a constructor there anyway. I think people do it because it just seems like easy and it's like short, but adding it to the constructor is just as simple and clean. And so much easier when you need to go test something and, hey, this particular repository I need in the controller, I can go ahead and mock that out. Um, I was doing that with a a REST client last week. So it's very, I think it's a big one that I still see often. Um, The only place that it's acceptable is in a test. If you're in a test and you need to auto-wire something in at the field level, then it's okay there because you're not writing a test against your test, right? Mm. So... There it's OK. Um, so, yeah, that's a big one for me and probably should have been number one.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's right. The ability to do the constructor injection that we didn't always have that. That came with Spring Boot 2, right?
0: I wonder. So so again, this is a Spring Framework level thing, um, so which would, would have been Spring up? Framework 4 or 5, somewhere in there. But somewhere in
1: there.
0: Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the history of that. To be honest, it's been a while.
1: Right. Yeah, I remember um, the before and the after. I, yep. I was there.
0: But yeah, I think that's an important one. Um, I saw. Somebody... Uh, yeah,
1: that one was already there. You know, the yeah. next one was already there. Right.
0: Okay. Yes, uh, mistake. Jitter Ted says using Spring Data JPA when all you need is Spring Data JDBC. I agree. This was on our list as well. Uh, We just did an episode on this last week, comparing Spring Data, JPA versus JDBC versus REST. And uh, I think it's important to understand when to reach for one versus the other. Now, we didn't completely go into that last week because uh, that would take a long time.
1: Yeah, but there's a lot of good conversations, right? Part of this is really just like, we're talking about things, give you something to think about because since that episode, there has been a lot of conversations about, and that might have been yeah. one of our most popular episodes because uh, yeah. we had we had a great audience, and I know the views are still climbing. Uh, but that might have been one of our most popular episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it was, yeah. Just, yeah,
0: yeah, and I think um I, I think we talked about it in that episode. One of the biggest things is is when choosing a, a certain technology, if it's just you, there's there's not yeah hey whatever use whatever you want to use. right? If you're working on a single project by yourself, have at it. But when you work in an organization, you really have to take into consideration the strengths of the people on your team. And if you're the architect and you want to jam Spring Data JPA in there because you love JPA, but nobody on your team understands Hibernate or how it works underneath the hood, probably the wrong technology choice, right? Maybe in the end it's the right choice, and you just need to train everybody. But maybe not. Maybe you can just reach for a different um, persistence layer, like Spring Data JDBC, if your team knows it
1: already. I like to quote Nate Shuda in, yes, in, in and paraphrasing, you know, you sticking around long enough to to see the outcomes. But just like you know, hey, don't choose JPA, uh, use JDBC if your team is already using JPA. This is my other mistake. Don't inject a new dependency, a new framework, a new thing for everybody to learn and support. If you've got nine out of ten of your services are already using Spring Data JPA, it's okay to use Spring Data JPA, even if it is a tiny little thing and it's not yeah. necessary. Versus, who's going to support it? Where? Where's your team's level? So my my little list here is like, don't add new stuff just because it's new or just because it's the most optimum think about your situation read the room Mm -hmm. and don't framework soup is what i'd like to say dependency (laughs) soup is when you're just throwing in things uh oh i saw a video on this and i saw somebody over in sri lanka do this yeah yeah i saw the new conference talk i saw dan vegas show this at a conference we got to use it
0: well and that's another thing yeah we we get to like show off new features in the newest versions of Spring Boot, right? One of the things I'm showing off is the REST client. Like, yes, that is kind of brand new. And if you're <coughs> if you're on Spring Boot 3.2, take advantage of that. But but please don't think like we need to drop everything to use this new feature because I, that's part of my job is to make you aware of these new features. Yes, we want you to upgrade. There are a whole bunch of benefits there. But we don't need to rewrite our entire applications to take advantage of like this one thing Dan showed off at a conference in Vegas. (laughs) So yes, I completely agree with you. Um, If you want to use it that bad, work on your own project on the side and use it there.
1: (laughs) There's plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. Cool. All right. So three down, at least on my list. Um, Here's another one that I have... I, I I have to say I have done in my life, most of these I probably have done in my life, um, but I no longer do, and I think we should stay away from it. <clears throat> How many times have you went into an application and you've seen an interface, so Foo interface, and then you've seen Foo implementation and there's one implementation of it, and it's because you saw it in a video somewhere somebody was doing it. so. We understand interfaces in Java, right? We understand there's an implementation of that interface, but not everything needs to have an interface and then an implementation of it. And I think the the argument is always, well, what if we are no longer using JDBC and we switch to something else? Like, That's great in theory, but it probably never happens, right? So I would say you know, start with the type, unless you know you're, unless you really have the plans of like building this out. And like, I'm just trying to think of like a common practical one, like um, some type of notification, right? I create a notification interface because I know we are going to send out an email. We are going to send out an SMS message. We're going to send out uh, an an actual email, um, an actual mailed envelope to your address, whatever the case may be, right? Like I. I know what our plans are there. But don't start there just because you think it's good practice that you'll eventually like make another implementation of that
1: interface. Have
0: you have you seen a lot of that before because I know I have?
1: Yeah, but this kind of goes into uh yeah, the testing part, right? That's kind of like where I, Yep. A lot of the, oh, we got to do it for testing. We got to have this right. uh, to validate our, our, our architecture or whatever it is. Right. Uh, there's a lot of arguments. You can make arguments either way. Um, yep. But a lot of times it's waste. So at the top of my list here, I put boilerplate where you just, you did it this way one time and then you mm-hmm. you spend a whole bunch of time redoing all of these patterns that you used in previous projects so yep. that after you go to start.sprint.io, you're just spending a bunch of time having delivered a feature yet, but you're putting in all of these things that are just kind of backed up in your mind because you did it before and you used that out of the framework that needed it this way. And this is why you had that interface. So you've done it again, but you didn't really need it. The boilerplate, that's one of the other uh, yeah, common mistakes that I see is you go to start.spring.io or you're using the Spring CLI. And after you've Giving you, a, giving yourself a framework or a, an outline, then you spend a week putting in a bunch of these things that aren't really needed, and they're not adding any value to your project.
0: Right. I like think the one plating, place gold
1: plating, whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I think the one place I saw this a lot was with like a service. Somebody would say, "Here's um, here's a, a, a an employee service that implements our CRUD service, right? And the CRUD service had like the CRUD methods in it, but like we never had another. Uh, you never you never had another implementation of that. So yes. uh Ted Ted has a, a really good comment here. It says IntelliJ idea also makes it relatively straightforward to automatically refactor to ex- uh to extract out an interface when you need one, which is great. Um uh that is gonna be I gotta put I I am adding one more to my list that we can talk about later, <laughs> but use your ID. All right. So yes, uh exactly, Ted. Uh great comment there. Um Simon says, good tooling gets you far. That may be something that uh, I just added to the list. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Um, here's another one that Josh kind of threw into the conversation when I was talking with him. So there, there's an at transactional annotation, right? Um, oh,
1: I know what you're going with this.
0: Trying to call methods and expecting transactional demarcation within the same class. Uh, same class example: a class has one method that calls another, and both are transactional. The inner one won't do what they expect. Um, calls. So, yeah. so if I'm in a if I'm in a class and it's marked, this method's marked with that transactional, and that one. I call another class.
1: Another that method that has that transactional. You can't right. you can't expect if that that second transactional, you can't expect that if that one fails, that it'll get rolled back. Exactly. Up into this up other to, transaction. Up yeah. to the other one. And that, exactly. That's a weird, it's not weird. That has happened enough where it it's almost surprising, but I'm glad it's on our list. Because yes. you gotta understand what's happening with these annotations. Yeah, you have to understand that, the rules.
0: Yes, um, and that was going to be one of my other, yeah,
1: mm.
0: yep, yep. So yeah, when using annotations, um, you need to understand that stuff. So transactional, it's not, you know, unless you're working with databases, you may not use it all the time. But um, yeah, under, like you said, understanding what the actual uh, annotation is doing underneath the hood is very important.
1: Uh. I just popped up, the, the whole boilerplate and gold plating. I'll add this to our shared doc here. Um, but yeah, this, these are these are good. I'm looking through the chat to see if there's any more. Um, one of the other ones that I had on my list was, like following the same patterns, like, oh, microservice is the way we gotta do it, so let's deliver everything as a microservice. <laughs> and how big should our microservice be? Well, it should only have three endpoints. It should only be this, making mistakes, ahead of time, choosing <laughs> choosing the pattern that you used before, when it might not be the the better or the right pattern going forward, uh, we get into these habits of, hey, everything's a microservice. I'm going to split all this up. And it's going to be a microservice. It's going to be really tiny. It's going to do this. When you could have a monolith. But also on the other side, the other side is also true. Ah, I know how to do a monolith and I'm going to do everything right here. And I got one code. Yeah. And yeah, depending on the size of your team, there's a lot of different vectors that we have to take into consideration now that we're we're doing yep. enterprise development. It is 2024. Uh, cost and where is it being deployed? Not looking out far enough for these decisions. Again, I, I'm referencing Nate. You got to stick around A- at some point in your career. You got to stick around to see the outcomes from these decisions that you make. And mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, we, we don't look ahead far enough and we yep. just choose... The previous one, and I've done it. Or the copy paste. Oh, I'm going to do it. I did the employee service just like that. I'm going to do yeah. the user service just like that. And I copy right. and paste and I change the the domain a little bit. And I, I go, hey, it's good.
0: Yep, I agree. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, I'm going to move on to another one. <clears throat> one thing that I see a lot of, uh, so a lot of this is building out um, kind of. REST APIs in in that vein. I see this a lot. And just thinking of that, we should do an entire show on microservices. We get a lot of requests for that. I just thought thought about that when you were talking about that. We should do a a show on that. So building out a REST API. One of the things uh, I see a lot is not building out a RESTful API, calling it a REST API, (laughs) but then not kind of following the conventions of a REST API. Right. So when you build out a REST API and you're using a resource, we'll just call it like customers, right? So you have a endpoint that you're going to hit for customers. It's going to be slash API slash customers, and then you build out all these methods in there. And for those CRUD methods, I see like the resource URI being list customers. So now it's slash API slash customers slash list customers, right? And that's not necessarily the the way to create like a RESTful API. Um, everything should be under the same kind of base URI like slash API slash customers. And then what kind of distinguishes each of those methods is the request method. So I know that a get to slash API slash customers is going to list all of them. I know that it might also accept some uh, query parameters to tell me to search like this or filter like this. Page. Sort. Page, exactly. So I can had, have all kinds of different filter criteria to it. Mm-hmm. But then if I go to slash API slash customers slash one, I know that's going to return to me. That's a git, and that's going to return to me a single customer. And there's this pattern of building out REST APIs that should be there. But when people just kind of throw a REST API together, they just kind of write their own rules, if you will. So I would say understanding the... And it, they're not hard rules. You can build this however you want. But when somebody else sees this, they'll be a little bit more used to seeing that pattern.
1: And that, I will say that that's not just a spring problem. Uh, For we, sure. we are out consuming yep. other people's APIs, OPP, no, OPA, uh, other people's <laughs> APIs, uh, Hello, OPP. We. We kind of see that, and and when when I see that, oh wait, what? Uh, I kind of I do that puppy dog, you know, tilt the head like that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't feel right. That's not what I expected that to be. How many of us, when we kind of get an overview of a of a project, we have some sense. Like I don't read all of the Spring Docs uh, this morning, or what did I use? I was using it's for Spring AI. I I've seen a few demos. The concepts make sense. I've played with it a little bit. And when I had a question, when I was trying to do something new, I had a sense of where to go look in the in the documentation and in the API. I had a sense mm-hmm. of where that might be. And you've probably had that. And when it's not where you expect it to be, eh, yeah, that's kind of a little offsetting. So there's these patterns, not just the ones that you're doing. You don't have to rewrite everything. Everything doesn't have to be custom. Right. Lean into, like we're all standing on the shoulders of the people that were there before us. Right? For sure. Yep. Use it.
0: Cool. So that's my REST resources. Um, another one I'll talk about comes into play when we talk about kind of solid programming. Uh, the S what part that? of that. What is
1: solid programming?
0: Solid's an acronym Acronym for building applications. You're going to put me on the spot here. I'm talking about one of them. So s- the first one is single responsibility principle. Uh, the second one is so O-L-I-D. There's, there's an acronym for it, each of those. Um, I'm talking about single responsibility principle. And what this comes down to is that we shouldn't try to do everything in a certain class, right? So um, knowing that in an MVC type application, a controller is responsible for taking in a request and returning a response. Don't build all of that logic into the controller, Try to separate that out. Delegate that to something else. Hey, a service is going to delegate to some implementation of our notification service and send an email later, right? Our repository is going to handle the data abstraction layer. So understanding that what each of those classes are meant to do and delegating to other classes, um, kind of single responsibility principle. Um, Each class should be responsible for a single part.
1: (laughs) I did the Googling, I threw up the Wikipedia, I got busted. <laughs> I said, no way, he didn't do that. No, I didn't I didn't remember what they were. Uh,
0: there, I I, there I nailed that. I nailed that in an interview uh, <laughs> three years ago, but now I don't remember awesome. exactly which each one went.
1: Busted. So um, hey, we got busted. I don't yep. I don't always remember all the things. I Google a lot of stuff that I should know.
0: Um so yeah, I think that's when I think
1: we we
0: we I think there's two sides of the spectrum, right? Sometimes we uh, we we do that. We shove everything in a class. Then on the other side of this spectrum is we over architect everything. Um, and you and I are a big proponent of like let's just get the thing to work and then figure out like how we can go ahead and refactor it to make it better. And so I think there's a middle ground. Like not spending 16 weeks putting together an architecture plan for this thing and then finding out it's not going to work versus not putting any thought into it and just kind of shoving code in here and, and running away, right?
1: Yeah. So this last year, with all of the new Java versions and all of the new amazing features in the Spring Framework and Spring Boot, the one thing I find myself saying at least daily, dozens of times a week, is this is going to be better if you have testing. This whole thing going forward from here is going to be a lot easier if you've got any level of trust. The more trust you have in your tests, the easier your path forward is going to be.
0: Yeah, and I we've talked about it a lot on this show before. One of the reasons I do like to write tests, because I've never been a huge fan of them. Like It's just extra work. right? One of the things it's done for me is, tell me, am I writing pretty decent code on the, uh, in the API, right? If I find that when I write my tests, it becomes hard to like test a particular class, it's like, oh, maybe you're doing too many things there. Or maybe your method is, there's too much going on in that single method. Um, so writing tests for those classes, for those methods, often kind of highlight those issues for me. And so, yeah, I think it's a good idea uh, on both sides, not to over-architect, not to under-architect, find somewhere in the middle.
1: Oh, yeah, good good point. Uh, remember kids, good coverage is not, that's not the same as good tests.
0: For sure, yeah. for sure. I, I remember someone striving for like 98 to 100% test coverage and I'm like, just cause you get that doesn't mean you have solid tests, so.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, lots, lots of good stuff here, lots of good comments. Uh, I'm gonna scroll back up and see. Uh, let's, if we want to pull in. No, you keep on going. Let's go to the, the next one. Okay, this is a good one. So,
0: <clears throat> I like this one a lot. Um, not and again, not everybody can do this because some people are still on Java 8. Which is, oh, I, I had this really great Bart Simpson meme that I put up on Twitter last week of him drawing on the chalkboard. What do you it say? says: "I will upgrade Java and Spring Boot," and and I got a lot nice. of feedback from that one. If you can upgrade, upgrade, please. Uh, you know Java and Spring Boot, but Do yourself moving a favor. to the yeah, get the performance benefits, get the security benefits, get the features. One of those features that I want to talk about is not taking advantage of records. And I'm a big fan of records. One, it cuts down on verbosity. Like nobody wants to write 60 to 120 line uh, data carrier classes when it could be three lines. Um, you know, starting there. But also, it improve, for me. It improves our applications because records are immutable. When we can get start dealing with immutable classes, I, you're less error prone when you start passing things or passing things around that can be changed and modified. I like the idea of that immutable data carrier class, and it just simplifies things. And so that goes back to something like Spring Data JDBC. I choose to choose, use Spring Data GDC a lot because I know I can work with records in it. Um, I'm a big fan of records. Take advantage of them um, wherever you can.
1: Great. Great. Love it. Let's keep going. We talked about error handling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, what are the big common mistakes around error handling? We talked about
0: not using it. Not, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. for me, that's a big one. That might be number one. Yeah, not just having, not taking advantage of any error handling, right? Um, I think some of the biggest things that I that I see in applications, and again, I wanna I wanna stress here that I am just a, a as guilty as everybody else here. I'm not pointing fingers at everyone because especially when I write demo applications, I skip a lot of things and I shouldn't. But when you, write ta- or when you write an application and you just kind of throw an exception, so here's a classic example, the REST API that I'm in with customers, and I go to get a particular customer. If I say that customer is supposed to return an optional and it's not found, and I just throw a new runtime exception, right? Uh, I'm just throwing a runtime exception, something went wrong. This is very misleading because... Now, when the client goes and sends a request to this, they get an, you know they say give me customer ninety nine and that's not there. They're getting a generic error that is some five hundred error, and they have no idea like what happened. And when when that could easily have been a custom error, saying hey, this was a customer that was not found, and the response status for this should be a four hundred four, and here is the message that should be sent back to the client. Now as a client, when I see that, I go, oh, 404, uh, customer was not found. I get it. That ID that I'm sending, no good. I must be doing something wrong over here. So that is like the tip of the iceberg, but there are so many things that Spring does to allow you to do that. You can create your own kind of uh, custom exceptions. Uh, you can do this um, controller advice at a controller level to kind of catch all of those. You can do them at a system level. So there are a bunch of things around error handling that, um, again, we we could probably talk about in, in its own show. Yeah, uh, But I think not at taking advantage of error handling in Spring and in Java,
1: right? I would also, and I'm, I'm looking at you, Jitter Ted. The idea of what do my error uh, paths, what do they look like, and putting that kind of stuff in the documentation. That yeah. they, I kind of boil this into like, the be nice to yourself. You don't, not necessarily your APIs might not be uh, consumed uh, publicly, but be nice to yourself when you come back to this project, and days from now. Be nice to yourself. Have documentation. Have code that makes sense. <clears throat> have patterns that are consistent across your projects. And it'll take you far. One of the things I'm going to throw into this thing is not using things like Spring Rest docs. I like to have documentation that matches or that matches the tests that matches the code that's being deployed. And this is something that I think is a common spring. Uh, problem, but maybe it, it exists beyond just Spring. Is when your documentation does not match your API. How many times have you gone to a public API and said, "Hey, I expect this to be there," and "Hey, this is the way it works." The documentation says this, but this is not the way it works today in in production. That's one of that's one of my pet peeves. But I see it yeah. way too much.
0: Jitter Ted adds using
1: HTTP problem details for
0: your APIs too. Yeah, so that's new in Spring Boot three-ish, uh, somewhere around there. Um, being able to attach more details to your to your API errors uh, definitely a help. Cool. Um, so that's error handling. Another big one I see is data validation. So Ooh. creating these APIs where you're accepting data and not validating the data, thinking that. I'm just getting a first name and an email address, or an e- I'm just getting an email address. I don't need to validate that. You do <laughs> you need to anytime you accept data from anyone. I don't care if it's public facing, private, whatever. It needs to be validated. We need to make sure that the data that we are getting is good data because it's not always going to be a happy path. We are going to have to deal with situations where we don't get exactly what we are thinking or. What we were thinking isn't what the end user was thinking, right? Um, so make sure you validate your data. And you can do that in Spring very easily. Uh, you can go in and and say, hey, uh, this particular entity or this particular class uh, has some validation rules on it. Um, and then in the arguments for, say, a controller method, you could say at valid. And then uh, you could say, hey, this customer, now I want you to go ahead and validate it and you don't even need to do like the try catch dance, Uh, all you gotta do is say add valid. And if Spring finds that one of your validation rules are gonna fail, it will throw that error for you. And it sets that correct response status, right? It says like, hey, this is a 400, this was a bad request. We, We can't accept this. So take advantage of data validation in Spring.
1: The words that we use to communicate with each other are important uh, this one I'm gonna bring this up on the screen uh, I work with entities and not DTOs this idea and I'm gonna say that this is a problem where we map all the stuff on the front end to some table on the back end I'm gonna say that that is a common problem I'm gonna say that mm-hmm. normalizing your data is a common problem normalize your data when you don't need to I, I'd say that's a common problem that I see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Your front end should, well, I don't even know what to say, but that idea that, oh, everything that goes to the front end, it's directly in, we get rid of the DTO, so it's just a data object. There are problems with that. There are problems mm-hmm. with uh, ID. Your reference was uh, user slash one. I expect there to be one there. Using a one, using a uh, sequence of one, two, three, four for your IDs, is that public? you need to be authenticated to get those? Right. Uh, if you use a sequence, and this is again scar tissue from from uh, experience past, where somebody can just increment those IDs and go grab all the data, guessing the IDs or not even guessing, just incrementing and going and getting all of your data. Yeah. And, and updated data.
0: I think a common example of that is like a user entity, right? We have 50 fields in there, one of which is password. We don't want to expose the password to say the front end. Now you can go in and say, like, at JSON ignore this field, but are you constantly doing that when you're adding things to the entity that may not be something you want to show on the front end? You would do that if you had a DTO that was like, hey, uh, this is the user login DTO, right? Whatever it is. And With one of the other patterns we just showed, which was using taking advantage of records, creating a DTO for uh, some type of client is very easy to do when you have something like a record. Um, So I would say, yes, taking advantage of DTOs versus entities um, is something that you should be doing.
1: Yeah. This chat, this is a good conversation. I'm going to go, let's see. Uh, No, we got, let's go to the next one. Observability. Not thinking about it. Uh, at this point, you know, I, I'd say beginning of 2022, <clears throat> the the default things that I would add to a project was different than it is now. Now, on just about everything, I'm adding Zipkin. I'm adding distributed tracing. I'm adding the actuator. I'm adding test cases. My defaults have changed, but Zipkin, the distributed tracing piece, and the value that we get out of the distributed tracing is massive and I think that we should do ourselves a favor, be nice to your future self and think about those things earlier. I think that's a problem of, and I think the Spring team, right? Like we, with Spring Boot 3, with Spring Framework 6, they said, no, observability first. So it's not a a tack on, it's you are able to instrument all of your Spring uh, components.
0: Yeah, and I think many people just think that hey, we have logging in our application. That's going to tell us what's going on. And that's not always the case. Like That is not going to solve all of the problems that observability does, especially in distributed applications. So making sure you have visibility into what is happening in your application is vital. You can't just put an application out into production and do one of these and hope everything's going to be okay, right? Uh, So yeah, I think, like you said, making it a first thought instead of an afterthought uh, is definitely an important thing. And that's why we always say like the spring boot actuator is that one, that one dependency that I always go ahead and put on a project, even if I'm not going to use it because I know I'll eventually use it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, there's, there are ways, right? There are ways to make our lives easier. There are frameworks out there. There's spring Modolith. uh, There's, Uh, You know, question about like, hey, you know, our microservices, how many DTOs, how many domains should we put in a microservice? Your mileage may vary. It depends. Uh, But there are tools out there. ArchUnit is one where we can say, hey, like we can put some rules around how we're taking things to production. You can have patterns like, hey, we do our things this way. Just like adding a new dependency or a new framework, adding a new pattern that you're the only one that knows it, that might also be a problem. This is a weird uh, you know, takeaway. The idea of getting validation from teammates, this is this is the common mistake, is trying to do everything on your own and not asking <laughs> for help and not getting feedback yeah. on what you take to production. That's a common problem. Yeah. So I'm talking about the solution. It's like, yeah, have conversations. Yep. It's important.
0: Cool. Um, so another one I have here is... A little bit more of a problem in the JavaScript world, so I, I tend to, to do a lot of front-end stuff too. Um, but it's definitely a problem in whatever language or framework you're using. And that is pulling in an outside dependency when it's maybe not needed. So think of a project where somebody just started pulling in all these different dependencies to solve all these like tiny minor problems when maybe one dependency could have solved of all, all of them. Um, really just thinking about the dependencies that you have in your project. Is this thing really needed? Is this thing, you know, is this dependency something that is actively being worked on? Is there good feedback on this dependency? Because at some point down the road, maybe this thing isn't going to work with Java 17 or Java 21. And then we're going to need to make a decision that we've invested all this time in this dependency. And now are we going to, like, contribute back to that? Or are we going to scrap that for something internal? Like, what is the case there? So just not looking at dependencies as like quick fixes, let's pull it in and use it. But really thinking through, like, is this something we actually need to pull in for this project?
1: Awesome. I am going to, yeah. Don't pull in the whole library to parse a small tab. Do yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> can we go back to somebody's no, start on <laughs> <laughs> uh Did we talk about this, the slice testing? not using slice testing when your application could really benefit from it if you've got, especially in the larger projects, having that slice testing to improve uh, performance and uh, the the pattern recognition, being able to have that consistency across.
0: That's a a great one. So if you're not aware what a slice Mm -hmm. test is in Spring Boot, um, one of the things you'll notice in any application, right, this isn't Spring, but like tests get, are very fast at the beginning because you have one test against one class. But as an application starts to balloon and you want to run a suite of tests, they may take longer because there's a lot more things going on in the application. Uh, especially on the spring side, we have this thing called an application context where all the classes get kind of put into this pool, right? When you're writing certain tests, they may not have to involve everything else in the application. So when I'm writing a web mvc test, I, all I care about is the controller layer, maybe some like Jackson things that are happening behind the scenes. I don't care about a repository, I don't care about some service classes that are going on. Like I could just care about the controller layer. Maybe I mock those other dependencies out. That is a slice of the the web layer. There's the graph layer, the the data JPA layer, the data JDBC layer, right? Um, there's a REST client slice test I was doing last week. So you're just testing those bits. Uh, so those become very important because I've found that in the past, and I'm like this, developers are less likely to write tests when it takes forever or it's very hard to do. If I have to write a test and it's going to take a minute to run, like I don't want to wait. To, like I don't, who has time for that? So I don't want to wait for that. So Taking advantage of slice tests is uh, definitely a, a big, uh, not taking advantage of slice tests are a big no-no. So
1: Yeah. Great. Um, there's a couple of questions. So I'm going to address uh, Mr. I still don't care who says, sorry, you guys don't have, you, you have zero charisma. Hey, uh, I think that was like, it came off as an insult at first, but I, I wanted to address that. Uh, instead of trying to get to the least interesting technical stuff like wasting time. This is an office hours. This is for you to bring questions. Uh, we always have a topic to talk about. We're always going to talk about the roadmap. Maybe you joined late uh, and maybe this is your first time. I, I don't recognize the name, Uh so yeah, so this is office hours. If you want deep, awesome technical content and you want to get in the meat, follow Dan Vega on YouTube and it starts with the content. There's courses on everything and you can go deep. So. I'll send you there if that's what you're doing, Uh, but constructive criticism. This is an office hours, it's a two-way street. We're here to answer questions. So from there, I'll kind of show an example. Uh, Earlier, Pawan had a question about how do we mitigate the security vulnerabilities in a Spring Boot application? Like, how do we know what's there, right? There's all sorts of tools that can go scan and we got a couple of options for you, or I got a couple of things for you to start with. First of all, upgrade. Get on the latest versions and you're going to patch all the CVEs that are known in your software. But, if your software is too old, if you're using Spring Boot 2.0, there are no more patches coming from the Spring Team. So, upgrade your software to the latest and greatest. That's going to help your security posture. The other thing is there's a tool that we've shown here, Spring Health Assessment Report. If you want to know where to focus your security uh, improvements, Use the Spring Health Assessment Report, and that's going to help you go far. Uh, All right, Abishak, I have one
0: more. Oh, yeah, sorry. Ahead. Ahead. No, you, you no, no, go ahead.
1: All right. asked more. a bunch. You got it. I'm going to get to Abstract. You ask yours.
0: All right. So, my last one on my list was not taking advantage of your ID. And again, this isn't a Spring thing, it's a Spring, Java, every programming language out there, right? Not taking advantage of your ID. Don't care which IDE text editor you use. Uh, You can use Visual Studio Code. You can use uh, Eclipse on the Spring side. We have the Spring Tool Suite. I'm a big fan of IntelliJ. I don't care which one you use. I'm always a proponent of which one are you more productive in. That may be a different answer for both of us, and I'm okay with that. But how do you get more productive in your IDE? taking advantage of their features. Now, I'm not telling you to spend two hours every week learning every single feature of the IDE because, at least on the IntelliJ side, there are so many, I learn about a new one all the time. I'm like, oh, that's great, but how do I remember it? Try like one every two weeks, Like pick out a new feature and just use it on a daily basis so you remember it. Um, I showed a video on live templates last week. And live templates are great for me, like using presentations and uh, demos, but they're also really good at repeating something that you do often. So I showed some live templates and somebody was like, wow, that is such a cool feature. I'm going to take advantage of that. And it's just those little things that one of the things that I really get out of watching other people present is like the tools or the tricks that they're using. Seeing their tips. Right. Uh, watching Jitter Ted live stream for three hours. I may have like got this
1: little like shortcut and I'm like,
0: wow, you that is great. Won. I'm gonna take it event. Exactly.
1: Right? We've been we've been doing Spring for a while. Uh yeah. So when we come across like one cool new thing to do, that it feels really great.
0: Yep. It feels really so great. So yeah. Go through your IDE, maybe watch a couple presentations. There are some really great presentations online about taking advantage of like IntelliJ. In fact, the Java Champions Conference is going on right now. It was last two days of last week and the first two days of this week. There's a recording on taking advantage of IntelliJ. So check that out. Um, yeah, and just like learn a couple things here and there. Put them into use every week, and the more that you build those things, the more you're going to get productive at uh, your everyday tasks.
1: Awesome. Uh, Abhishek asked this question a bunch. I'm not sure where he's going with it, but I I think, and I only say this because I was messing with this earlier today. Uh, hey, I need I needed to be be not found. Implementation for this be not found. How do you get past that? I think that's what he's asking. And here's here's what I needed to do. I needed to create a configuration class. And within that configuration, at configuration, that's going to happen before all the rest of the stuff happens. In that at configuration class, I implemented an at bean annotation, and that's where I created my bean. It registers it. It's ready for runtime. It's ready to consume. So all of your other classes, like your constructors that are injecting that bean, it'll be available. So put it into an at configuration class and you'll be good to go. Yeah,
0: so I think that's that's not that's more a compile time he's probably thinking like how can i do that while the application's running mm-hmm. um and i don't know the answer to that to be honest cuz i don't think i've ever had to do that uh i'm sure there's a way to do that um using the application context but i don't know because that usually gets set but yes yeah, so what you were talking about so there's uh, at component. So if you have a class that you have control over, you can just mark it with that component at service, repository, et cetera. If you have a class that you're like creating an instance of, yes, use a configuration class. Go ahead and mark it with that bean, and then uh, that will get put into the application scope or the application context, sorry.
1: Um, and this, what, who is the author of the domain-driven design book that we always mm-hmm. recommend? That's the first ben question Evans. for you. Ben Evans and then second take a look at spring modulus it's rules and its guardrails help you move forward with domain driven design but there's a lot like that's people spend years oh, Eric trying Evans. to get better. sorry <laughs> Eric Evans
0: i was thinking of something else sorry
1: so that's that's my uh my tip for you marcos uh, let me see if I can get caught back up. So we got through all the starred ones that we had. Uh, if you've got questions, actually, we are running out of time. I gotta jump to another meeting. Oh, all right. So
0: cool. Well, that was fun. I thought we went through a, a pretty large list, uh, some of the common patterns that we saw. We would love to hear from you if you are listening to this after the fact and you see some common patterns. Please feel free to reach out to us at the real Dan Vega at Deshaun on the bird app. Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, and you can always find us, uh, reach out to us, and go ahead and share those with us because I am going to create some videos on this, and we'll go through some of these and and show out the kind of solutions to some of these. Yes, this hour goes by fast, and it goes by nice. fast because we had uh, so many people here asking some really great questions, so we appreciate that. Uh, we have another exciting episode planned for next week. So we'll, if you want to find out about that, head over to springofficehours.io. And with that, we will see you next week. See you, see friends. You